you know, scores the most points in a year. We have somebody that uh, makes all turnier. We have somebody that, you know, somehow um, catches the attention of maybe even Greenville in the newspaper and we give them some kind of award. Don't you think it'd be fitting to give somebody an award and recognition that memorized some of the Bible? Amen. Right. I think, I, I couldn't help but think, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And um, I'm, I really, I, I appreciate the effort. And I believe, I believe that we have plans next year to uh, uh, go forward, maybe not with necessarily the same program, maybe something a little different. If you'd like to be involved in that, I'm sure that uh, Brother Rob would love to have you help in that regards. And um, I, I know this, our children are worth the investment. I believe that our children are worth the investment. All right, I, I have, I've just got a few words I want to bring out of the book of Psalms. If you go to the book of Psalms tonight, go right, in, right alongside of what we've heard tonight. Psalm 127, if you'd go there in your Bible tonight. Psalm 127. Daniel, you learn a lesson, don't wear, I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> um, so, Psalm 127, the Bible speaks about children and says something I think very important for us to note. If you note what the Bible says, verse 3, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Now, if you look at the passage right here, what the Bible says, the Bible gives you the purpose of children. I think you ought to note that. If you look there in verse number three, the purpose of children, number one, they're in heritage of the Lord. If you look up the word heritage, it means an inheritance. So in other words, that's an expectation that God says, I have an expectation of the children that I have given to you, that one day they will be returned back to me so that I can use them as something that I have given to you. You think about that, then the next thing it says, that they're the Lord's reward. And the fruit of the womb is His reward. Not your reward, not my reward, but His reward. And when you think about that, when the Bible says the fruit of the womb, I, I think it would be fitting. I know where we are right now. I'm not trying to be politically correct or active, either one. But I do want to say something about the fact that God is the giver of life. The Bible is very clear that God is not only the giver of life, but God is also the one that gives children. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, the Bible says that God told them to be fruitful and multiply. God gave man the ability to be fruitful. Just like he did with the different plants and the different fruit trees that they were able to reproduce after their kind, God did that, and he did that in such a way that that was something he instituted. Man did not institute that. In fact, if you would, you put a marker right there in Psalm 127 and turn just a few pages over to Psalm 139. When I say that God is the giver of life, 
I believe that's exactly what the Bible teaches. I believe in Psalm 139, the debate that we're having in our country is really a debate that probably if you were to get right down to it and look in the Bible, we could solve the debate. Uh, the answer is always in the Bible. And if you look, the answer in speaking about, well, is that an unborn child in a woman's womb or is that a fetus? Is that just a, is that just a collection of matter that is yet to live or is that an actual living, breathing, or at least a functioning human being? And the Bible is very clear about that. In Psalm 139, the Bible says this in speaking to that regards. Verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In other words, I wasn't evolved. I didn't somehow come to pass through a series of emanations. Uh, we don't believe in evolution. Amen. We believe in creation. Yes. Creation means there's a creator. And that God, God being the giver of life, the Bible says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm made wonderfully. I'm amazed. Every time one of our ladies here or in Alabama, they have a child and you look at those small little fingers and all of those joints are just like your joints and my joints, that small little fingernail. And you can see that on the outside. And then if you get on the inside, all those details about the nervous system and, and the circulatory system, the respiratory system that God put together, the eye and the amazing ability that we have to be able to see like nothing else can reproduce. You know, I know televisions think themselves to be really, really high-tech today. They still haven't caught up with what God put right here. So he says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at verse 16. Now, this is important. Thine eyes, whose eyes? God's eyes, did see my substance, yet being imperfect. In other words, it wasn't completed. It wasn't fully formed. And in thy book, all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. So God had a blueprint. God had a blueprint for every child that came into that womb. And the reason God had a blueprint is because God is the giver of life. God is the one that opens the womb. Genesis 20 is very clear. God closes wombs. Genesis 29, God opens the womb. You think about the number of wombs that God opened and gave life. You know, if, if it hadn't have been for Hannah's prayer, uh, you know, Samuel wouldn't have been here. And God, God gave Hannah Samuel. God gave Samson and John the Baptist miracle children. He gave Isaac to Abraham at 100 years of age. You say, how is that possible? Because God is the giver of life. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Now go back, if you would, to Psalm 127. The purpose of children. Purpose of children, God's heritage, his inheritance. The purpose of children, God's reward, his blessing that he gives that should in turn again be given back to him. Psalm 127, the last thing I want you to note is this. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. So what God does, God makes a comparison about children being like an arrow. And what he does with that arrow, he, he describes children as arrows in the hand of a mighty man, blessed or happy is the man that hath his quiver full. Something that holds several arrows. 
And when you think about an arrow and what God is saying with that, again, it's very, a very practical and very important, I think, principle to understand. When you have an arrow, an arrow has a specific purpose. An arrow is made to hunt with. An arrow is made for protection. You don't cook with an arrow. You use it to point in a particular direction. And when you do that with an arrow and pointing it, there is a business end of that arrow. There is a point on the end of that arrow. Now those points come in different shapes and sizes. They come in different uh, hardness and all of that. But there is a point on the end of that arrow and that point, that point is the thing that completes the purpose of that arrow. So when that arrow is drawn back fully, there is a point on the end that completes the purpose. Our children are no different. Listen, I believe that we ought to raise our children. Are you listening to me? I believe we ought to raise our children to glorify God. I believe they ought to be used for His glory. I believe they ought to be used for the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that's what they ought to be taught. Listen, if you make a million dollars in life and you don't fulfill the purpose of glorifying God and giving out the gospel, then what did you really accomplish? All of your trophies, all of your dollars, all of your cars, your houses will all be left behind. But when you give somebody the gospel, that lives on for all eternity. You glorify God, you'll get to heaven. And God will be there in that glory. That's the purpose. But then you think about what else about an arrow has a shaft. Every arrow has a shaft. Back when I used to uh, bow hunt, you could take an arrow and you could hold the point and you could spin it by blowing on the fletchings and you could see if it was actually true or not. The shaft of an arrow sometimes gets bent. All right, and when it gets bent, if it's a carbon arrow, it really, it's not useful anymore. But if it's an aluminum arrow, that can be straightened or sometimes you have to get it different. But that, that foundation, that body is very important because it is the thing that holds the business end of the arrow. And we'll talk more about it in just a moment. But there is a foundation that goes along with that. It is called the shaft. You have to have a shaft. There has to be a foundation. And I'm telling you not. listen, I praise the Lord that we got to see so many children get a coin in commemoration with memorizing Scripture in the Bible about doctrinal verses. That is an excellent exercise to put doctrinal verses in our heart. Now, you and I, Brother Rob said it, we may not be able to remember like we used to, but that's a foundation. I'm going to tell you tonight, there is no better foundation than the Word of God. You take the Word of God, and you know what it does to you and I? It helps shape out all those bends in our life. Sometimes our affection is bent the wrong direction. I'm glad I've got a Bible that knows how to bend it back the right direction. So that shaft is very important. If the shaft is not true, the error will not fly and accomplish its purpose. Then on the end of that arrow, you have a thing called fletching. That's direction. Usually there's three little pieces of fletching at the end of an arrow. They can be made out of rubber. They can be made out of an actual feather. But what they do is they take and they stabilize that arrow as it's flying through the air. Those fletchings are important. If you tear off one on one side, it does not fly true. You need all three 
And having those three attached to the end of that arrow, when it's pulled again at full draw, that arrow has got a good foundation. It's got a purpose point on the end, but it has fletching that gives it direction. And I'm going to tell you tonight, I'll I, I tell you what I don't want to happen in my own children's life and they're growing up and leaving quicker than I, I, I ever imagined they would. I do not want Hollywood to be the one that gives direction to my children's lives. Did you hear what I said? I don't want my girls getting their, their, uh, their clothing choices from the Kardashians. I don't want that. I don't think that's going to point them in the right direction. I don't think that's going to help them glorify God. I'd rather be some teachers that are sitting up here like we're heading tonight that care about the Lord and care about the Bible and love Jesus. I'd rather have them shaping their life and giving them some direction. That's why I think you ought to keep your children in church. Yeah. Amen. I think that's why you ought to keep them in the Bible. You ought to keep them in the Bible. They need direction. They need direction. The last thing that you find on an arrow is this little thing called a knock. Now that knock is supposed to take and fit that arrow onto the string of the bow. It doesn't matter if it's a compound bow or a recurve bow or a crossbow. But that, that, that arrow having a foundation like our children need, direction with the fletching, a purpose with a point on the end of it, that arrow at the back has a knock. And what you do is you take and you clip that arrow into that string so that when you pull back on that string, you're connected to the power source. And when you take and they have a release, I used to use one of those. A release is a thing that normally goes around your hand. Sometimes it has a trigger. Sometimes it has other things. And you also, you click that into the bow. So when you pull that bow back at a full draw and you have this release, when you let go, just like the trigger on a weapon or a gun, when you take and you touch that trigger, it opens up and it releases the string. That string that that arrow is connected to sends that arrow hurtling to its intended goal. Well, I'm going to tell you something tonight. Listen to me. Are you listening? Our children need to be connected to the Holy Ghost. And listen, they need to be connected to God. There is no, are you listening? There's no greater power source in the world than the God of creation. People today talking about nuclear weapons and Ukraine and Russia having that power and now North Korea and we're, we're, we're wondering what they're going to do. I'm going to tell you what, all of those people have no power at all compared to our God. Our God set the sun ablaze by just speaking it into existence. That's right. They need to stay connected to the power source. Right. I think there's a big difference just having your children in church and having them connected to God. You know, our children, need, our children need to know that they can pray and they can get their prayers answered. Yeah. I, look, God, God answers prayer. You don't have to be 45 years old to get your prayers answered. You just got to be born again and live a clean life. God answers prayer. Yeah. They need to be connected. So God takes and he gives the three examples of his heritage, his reward, and then those arrows being in the hands of a mighty man. And it's been said tonight, Proverbs 22, 6, to train up a child, train up. Train up a child. You've got to bring them up. You've got to take and give them principles that they can live by and make decisions by. That's what takes and makes that shaft solid. They need to be brought up. Psalm 78 says that 
The commandments that God gave us need to be made known to our children. Hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm telling you tonight, we, we need to spend more time. I need to spend more time. And I'm going to preach more on the family. And if this is making you uncomfortable, there's more of it coming because I think our, our children need to be taught what's in the Bible. You know, my fear is that our kids in the school will know more about what's in the handbook than they do what's in the Bible. I know you've got to follow a handbook, and there are codes of dress there, but I'm telling you right now, if you really want to know what's right, you need to know what codes are in the Bible. You need to know the principles in the Bible. We ought to follow the handbook, that's right, and, I, and they need to follow that. Come on, somebody needs to help. They need to follow that. If we've got a handbook, they need to follow and abide by that. But they need to know what the Bible says about dress. Just like they need to know what the Bible says about marriage. Amen. We need to teach them those principles and those things that are to be taught to them so the Bible says that the generation to come would know that they might be able to put their hope in God. Oh, our hope is not in a political party. Our hope is not in Wall Street. Our hope is not in the dollar. Our hope is in God. Well, I don't know if we ought to have a family and ought to have children. Why? God, God, God is not diminished. God has not changed. You can still have what God wants you to have today. Right. But they've got to know those principles. They've got to be taught those things. Ephesians 6, bring up a child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up. The nurture and admonition of the Lord. Maybe I'll give you five little quick words and I'm finished. First word is this, instruction. We need to teach our children. You need to teach your children. You know what I, I think is sadly going on? I think that our children are being taught by other children on platforms like Instagram. And you know what I think they're learning? Things they don't need to learn. You need to teach your children. Come on, I appreciate Rob's investment, don't you? But shouldn't parents be investing in their children? Right. I want to be, as a pastor, I want to help you. But you need to teach your children. You need to show them what direction they should go. Instruction, number two, boundaries. You need to establish boundaries. <laughs> you say, what, you don't trust your children? I, don't, I have boundaries in my own life. Do you, do you not have boundaries in your life? I don't know that I trust me. You need boundaries. Well, we, we just think that's a little bit harsh. Listen, without boundaries, the world would just be in an anarchic place. How, how, many, how many of you get aggravated when the red light catches you? Aren't you glad we have red lights, though? How would you, listen, how would you like it if we didn't have any red lights whatsoever? You know who wins? Guys with great big old four-wheel drive trucks and big tires and a gun rack in the back with a shotgun and a flag. That's a guy you do not want to cut off, right? Well, we, who gets there first? Who's got the biggest vehicle? That, that's no way to live. There needs to be boundaries in your children. And listen, you know what I wouldn't do? I, I, again, I would not let media set my children's boundaries. You need to set those boundaries. Another word, example. We need to be an example to our children. You need to give them, give them an example. You know, one of the things out there, Brother, brother uh, Baker, if you didn't hear Brother Baker preach um, our graduation, Brother Baker, I think he was 70, 71, 81? 70, 72. He, 72. I didn't know this. He, he can't see out of his, his right eye. And he preached and he had a great time. I'm talking about in 15 or 20 minutes, he had more to say than some guys that take 45 minutes. But he was preaching about passion. And while he's preaching about passion, 
He displayed that, didn't he? He didn't get up there and read it dryly. No, he had, listen, he had, listen, we ought to be an example to our children of what we want them to do. If we want them to read the Bible, we should read our Bible. If we want to be at the, if we want them at the altar, we should be at the altar. Right. Example. And then I would say another word is opportunity. You need to give your children opportunity. Opportunity to fail, opportunity to achieve. Give them a chance to put their hands on the wheel. I, I remember so many times when my kids were younger, they'd want to drive the car. Daddy, let me drive. And, you know, they, they can't reach the floorboard. They can't touch the pedal. So every now and then I'd let one sit in my lap. How many of you did what I'm about to say so you don't get mad at me and say, okay, report me? One of my, one of my children would sit in my lap with me and they'd have their hands on the wheel and I'd have my hands on the wheel and they're driving. I did the, My dad let me do the same thing. I thought I was driving this great big old car and all I did was have my hands on the wheel. <laughs> They need opportunity. They need to be given opportunity to succeed, to fail. You know, the Lord did that with his disciples. He sent them out and they'd come back and sometimes he'd, he'd have to help them in what they failed in. Sometimes they'd come back with the wrong motive in mind and, and he would try to take and help that. The last word is correction. I know we live in a world today that doesn't believe that you ought to correct a child, but look what it's produced in our society. It's produced a mentality of smash and grab. I'm entitled to it. It doesn't matter if you work for it. I'm going to take it from you because I can. And I ought to have that. No, I, I think you need correction. There are things in our lives that we, we make wrong decisions and go the wrong direction. You know what we need? We need correction. I'm glad I got a heavenly father who knows how to correct. And he does it for my good, for my benefit. Those are words that help us to help our children achieve the purpose that God made them. In Malachi, the Bible speaks about in chapter 2 that God says that he was seeking a godly seed. And I want to end this way tonight. There is such a difference between godly and good. I believe in good. I believe if you raise your children with a good work ethic, that is, a, that is a very complimentary thing to do. That, you, you should receive recognition. If your children learn how to work, that's a good thing. But you know what I think is better than learning how to work? Learn how to work and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a difference between somebody having character and somebody being sanctified and set apart for God. Amen. He didn't say, I was looking for a good seed. I was looking for a godly seed. A godly seed. I don't know how many of you have aspirations for your children. I, I, I hope you do. I, I hope that they're bigger than them being a, you know, a major league baseball player, or a national basketball star, or, or something, or making, you know, Fortune 500 and having lots of money. God bless them with whatever they do in their life. But you know what? I, I want my kids to turn out loving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want them to have a heart for Him. I think they got a heart for him. Whatever they do in life, they'll be doing the right thing. But that takes effort. That takes effort. There is no such thing as evolution. And if we want our children to be like arrows in the hands of a mighty man with the right purpose and a right base, 
and a right direction and a, a place that's connected to power, then what we have to do, we have to work at that. We have to take and expend energy and time and effort in doing that. And then prayer, oh my goodness, praying for our kids and saying, God, please help them to have a heart for you. Please, Lord, help them to love you. Please keep them safe from all that the devil would put into their hearts and minds. Boy, and I think if you get to the end of your road and your children are walking right, you know what he said in John chapter, or third John? He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. I, you know, I, tonight it was a blessing. I don't know how many of you noticed it, but Schuyler's sister, got a, he, she got a reward. She got one of those coins, and when she did, I looked over at Schuyler, and he was going. You know why? That's my sister. I didn't look, but I imagine if I, my eyes had caught Mrs. Sandy's eyes, and seeing Skyler and Nevaeh, knowing the stories behind their lives, I can see her heart just swelling and saying, those are ours. Those are ours. Oh, that God would help us to put something back in God's hand that he can use and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for lending me these children. Thank you for the blessing you've given to us now. We want you to take and use them for your glory. A whole lot better than that and just saying, well, they, they turned out wealthy, made a lot of money. Well, praise the Lord. But did they love Jesus? So I wonder tonight, we saw a lot of our kids get awards tonight. I wonder, would there be, Ken, you don't just come to Oregon. Would there be any parents get on the altar and just beg God for your children tonight? God, please. Please, Lord, I'm asking you, help, help us to put the right things in our children. Amen, Johnny. Amen, Teresa. Amen, Tisa, Ben, Scott, Sharon. Amen, Brother Ezekiel. God, please. I don't think God needs perfect parents because there aren't any. Boy, but he can get... If he can get us involved in putting that right foundation in and getting an edge on that point, adding some direction, keeping them connected to that power, oh, and then say, God, here you go. Please do something with them. Amen, Rebecca. Amen, son. Lord, put your hand on my life. Use me. Gonna commit to instructing. Gonna commit to being an example. Gonna commit, Lord, opportunity, example, correction. Won't you sing a verse of that, Robbie? Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse 
playing the piano's gonna keep playing would you stand to your feet I, I, I here's what I'd like to dismiss tonight how many of you are thankful that so many of our children's home put forth an effort to try to take it engaged in that a blessing and then our other children why don't you do this around the auditorium tonight we got graduates all over the place we have we have kids that have taken in and earned some some awards and here's what I'd like to do whether they're your kids or somebody else, why don't you find some youngins tonight and tell them you love them, you're proud of them on the way out can you do that can you find somebody that's younger one of these children and say hey proud of you you may have already you don't have to give them money but just go find somebody that's why I won't be dismissed no prayer we're gonna be dismissed that way go ahead find one of these youngins and tell them hey proud of you. those girls that sang tonight hey I appreciate you singing that was a blessing 